What's up? And welcome to Espresso with Erin and Sarit, the show where you go to gain the confidence and self-empowerment that you need to live your best and most authentic life. Tough love conversations to reveal the simple truths that will transform your relationships, your body, and your bank account. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Sarit. And we are on a mission to transform the lives of millions through the same fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and financial habits that have transformed ours. Good Friday and welcome to our show. You guys, today we have with us a dear friend, a fellow 10X coach who is on a mission to help others achieve their goals by helping them to overcome their fears by asking better questions. Omar Medrano, a franchise broker, 10X coach, and author of the new book, What If It Did Work? Welcome to the show. Why, thank you. I I feel so much love and so blessed to be here with you guys. Oh, man. I think we all feel the same exact way. Look at these hearts. You guys are too sweet. But let's talk about... Today, we're going to be talking about your your new book. Um, But before we get into that, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your own journey and, you know, how did the importance of the phrase, what if it did work come about to play a role in your own life? Oh, I was like completely just the opposite, fearful, uh, self-doubt, low self-esteem, didn't think anything could work. I mean, I even, every time I lost weight, I would gain it back because I felt like I didn't even deserve it. Like, this isn't me. There's so many songs playing in my head. Oh, my my mom and dad divorced before I was born. I never met my dad. Victim, 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 victim. And it all the way from when I, when I was born. I mean, uh, my mom went to school full time, worked full time. So I was like the complete introvert. And going to school, they actually thought I couldn't speak English, even though I was born in Miami. And they had me in ESOL, which is um, English for um, people speaking other languages and all that. It took them like three years. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we, we did a, an amazing job. This guy's got no accent and all that. And it was just simply I just didn't really want to talk because I felt like just that fear, the fear of rejection or, you know, how about if somebody didn't like me? I felt like nobody liked me. So it was always the opposite. I never asked myself what if it did work until, heck, my late bloomer, late uh, mid-20s, I'd say. Man, I feel like so many of us can relate to this and if you're watching this live can you do us a favor and like drop in the comments if you know this is kind of speaking to your soul right now because i know for a few of you it is i know for me totally does but what was the maybe it was more than one like specific moment but you know like tell us a little bit about the the moment where like the pivot came along i mean you know if you felt one way like what started to like catalyze the change Oh, what catalyzed the change was like, I just the pain, the pain of being the pain of staying the same outweighed the pain of change. And it was even in high school, I couldn't ask out a a woman out on a date and all that all they would have to ask me out because I felt like, you know, the whole community, the whole Miami, it would be in the Miami Herald. Omar Madrano got rejected by this girl or that girl and all that. And it, it took me forever. Like I uh, went to, it, it wasn't until 
and they were hazing and they were messing with me, but I went away for school. I went away for, in Louisiana because I felt like it wasn't me. It, it had to be in my environment. And actuality, I could have lived in Malibu. I could have lived in Santa Barbara, Maui, whatever. And it, would have, it was me. But I felt like if I moved from a place that people go on vacation to the deep south in Louisiana, that you know, I would find my happiness there. And my fraternity brothers, when I was a pledge, they would make me, because I really wasn't talking then either, uh, I would have to, they would force me to ask out girls or ask them to dance. And most of these girls were friends and they knew to, to reject me and all that. And after a while, I mean, it, it was a running joke and all that. And they, they would call me Goose. And the, the joke was I was like Goose from Top Gun because I would crash and burn. And after it actually helped me because it, it, it helped me become an amazing salesperson. Uh, it helped me realize that, you know, no is not a rejection of me. Maybe, maybe these people aren't, it's not, it's timing. Maybe they've got other things planned and all that. So in anything, anything in life, the worst thing is no and move on. Yeah. But what if it did work? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it, it's funny because I remember in, I was in ninth grade and my, and, and I even give him praise and acknowledgement in the book. My assistant principal told me to be a cold Dan Hall the day I graduated college. And on commencement, it snowed in Louisiana, which very rare. So he was a uh, Nostradamus, I guess he was right. It was a cold Dan Hall. <laughs> hey, so... What it sounds like so far is that, you know, like here you are, um, you know, just being a complete victim, like not even aware of it. And Mm -hmm. at least you made the courageous decision of, you know, literally like removing yourself outside of your own environment. And then you're like, shit, like that ghost is still following me and it still kept manifesting. Right. Oh, completely, completely. No, um, I'm sure your audience, we all do this. If you ask anybody, male, female, hey, what are you looking for in a relationship if they're single? And they'll give you a laundry laundry list. Oh, I don't want bipolar. I don't want a narcissist. I don't want a cheater. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. Okay, we know what you want because you keep on connecting to all these because you're a magnet to it. Tell us what do you want out of life? And they'll stare at you because they don't know what they want. People only focus on the pain. They only focus on what they do not want. And nobody ever sits down and says, this is what I want out of life. This is what I want out of a relationship. This is what I want out of a career, out of a job. They always focus on, this is what I do not want. Yeah. So here you were like having a complete fear of rejection rejection, and you know, what ended up happening is that you ended up attracting more rejection through the fear of rejection. Oh, completely, completely. And the book takes place like 20 years ago. Um, I, I, well, what happened was I start, after college, I started dating all these women because my boss, I was a journalist, and he felt that because I was from Miami, everybody in Miami has to have million-dollar cars, and because, you know, I wanted a job paying $15,000 a year because I lived in a mansion back home and I, I wanted to stay in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And he kept on telling me, quit, quit, quit. You know, you're rich, you're rich, you're rich. Well, everybody knew at the state or thought at the station I was this wealthy guy. So I was getting dates left and right. 
I, I started dating a girl and then like a couple years later, she dumped me and I was just like complete victim mode. I was in scarcity mode. Like this was the only woman for me. And I was like bleeding out toxicity, drama. And in fact, uh, to escape once again, just like in high school, I would go to, cause it was cheap to go to Las Vegas flights and all that. So we'd go over there for a whole year and it's, a running joke in the the book is that I was I was so toxic that not even prostitutes would um, proposition me. They wouldn't even talk to me. Ooh, okay. You brought up a really good point, and from your own life experience, I just you know I'm I'm curious to find out how has your fear of rejection manifested as a scarcity mindset. It manifested as a scarcity mindset because so much of our of our fear, you and I, none of us were born with fear. Fear was just placed by our parents, by our friends, by our, our associates to to protect us and all that. And my mom, my mom's only twenty years older than me, so I mean, she did the best that I love her to death. She only she did the best that she could, but she was so fearful. She had like a long laundry list: do avoid talking to strangers, avoid this, avoid that. This guy might touch you that and all that and all this fear. That's where the fear really came from. And also scarcity, just because we, we did grow up lower middle class in a lower middle class neighborhood. Mm. So it was always like, oh, my gosh, you know, who knows what the future or the near future might happen. But scarcity is just within all of us. That's why, like, you'll see people hold on to their last $20 bill or hold on to a $20 bill. Like, that's the only thing. And, you know, or, or the people that are like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm going to do with my stimulus check. Or I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, why don't you work on something else that you'll never have to rely on the government or on the stimulus check. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that moment where you call yourself and you're like, ah, it's you. It's always been you. Like, <laughs> like buying Rouge or like Vegas. Like it's always been you. Like, it, it, it happened in, in Miami and it, it happened. Um, it, believe it or not, I, I always gr- growing up um, Hispanic and all that. We we're not into personal development in general. Like if I remember telling my mom, hey, I'm depressed or I'm sad. She'd always be like, well, I'll tell you something. that will make you sad. Let me give you, you know, what your grandparents did or this and that. It was never. So it was always like that. Even to this day, my mom's like, so are you going to, are you following Anthony Robbins? Are you following Grant Cardone? Nothing. None of that stuff works. And, and actually, actually um, what got the ball moving was uh, I did a UPW, um, Anthony Robbins seminar. It's one that you walk on coals and all that. And it, it's about fixing it, your personal stuff. And I realized it all, all that I need is within me. I'm, I'm, I'm the problem, not society, not my mom, not my dad. It, a lot of times if we go to a therapist and I'm like, oh, if they'll, they'll tell you, let's, let's focus on when you're a child. I'm an adult. I'm going to be 48 in two months. The hell does like me breaking up or anything like that, or or me running up my credit cards or me being a complete asshole have to do with my mom or dad? <laughs> I mean, I'm an adult, but a lot of times we we want to pinpoint you know our childhood, 
Well, okay. When you're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, okay, yes, let's let's blame mom and dad. But but after a while, it's time. Hey, 100% accountable. Yeah, oh, so good. Um, so I want to kind of like take the the audience through your own journey. So you said that you were like a journalist at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you became a franchising expert. I mean, we're talking about night and day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, people think I've got an MBA. I, I only have a MBA. I have a master's in journalism, which means that I, the only thing that I'll give me requirements for is I can ask you if you want a grande or a tall with that order. That's, that's it. Doesn't amount to anything. So how did you... Okay, so you know what, let's, um, for, for the listeners, let's start to dissect um, just you know, the um, franchising business model, just because I think it's important to talk about that in order to kind of like um, transition into the book. But what got you into franchising and what, it, what does uh, a franchise mean? Okay, well, what got me in, I, there was a, in between, I was a, a journalist. I didn't realize I went to school to take a, a vow of poverty. If I knew that, I would have gone to seminary school. So <laughs> I was a journalist, didn't like that, didn't like the, the hard work, the low pay and all that. So I became a financial advisor for um, four years for a guy with fear of rejection. All of a sudden he had to deal with talking to strangers every day and asking complete strangers and calling people up and saying, hey, I, I know this is a first for you, but you wouldn't mind investing $100,000 in this mutual bond, mutual, uh, um, this municipal bond is paying 4%. It's AAA guaranteed, tax-free, stuff like that. And, you know, it, it's funny because, yeah, I went from one extreme to, oh, my gosh, how about if she says no, she hates me and all that, to literally having a call and call and call and cold call a lot of people. Yeah. So... You became a financial advisor, and then what got you to start? Oh, um, well, I, I realized as a financial advisor, I was a vegan at the time and stressed out beyond belief. And you know, all, and this was before Netflix. I just thought being vegan meant something cool. I was actually like fifty pounds heavier than I than I am now. And um, I'm like, if I'm gonna bust my ass and all that, why am I gonna? collect so very little unless you're bernie madoff i guess and he collected 100 percent of his money but it got to the point where numbers numbers were always important but if the old lady that gives you ten thousand dollars that's her life savings but that's not much commission and all that so I, i i just didn't like the model of having to go to chambers and having to pretend that I really wanted to be in Bible study or that I really wanted. It was all, it was like a life of ulterior motives, being at different places. And also it's a sales job. People think a financial advisor knows anything more than you do. All a financial advisor does is his boss tells you, Hey, sell this stock, sell this. Or we're like doctors, how doctors, well, you, we need to prescribe you this drug that you really don't need. But the pharmaceutical sales rep gave me a sweet asset of golf clubs, or he took me out to dinner, or he, he took me to Barton G's. So you have that. Well, for a financial advisor, the mutual fund company, the rep takes you out to dinner, buys you stuff, or he gives all these swank ass dinners to all your clients and all that. So Oh my gosh, not only do I have to give him some business, but you want 
to give out mutual funds because it's the highest. It's all about commission. And I've never, I've, I felt like a, like a, a whore to say the least. I didn't, I've always been wanting to help people and always be in service. So that's, that's why ultimately I left. Um, the franchise, I, I chose Smoothie King because uh, at the time I felt it was health and it helped me lose 40, 50 pounds. But also the corporate headquarters, it was based in Louisiana, in New Orleans. And there was one on every corner. And I went to school in Louisiana. So it, it was always one day, one day, one day I wish I can open one, one day. Well, you know, people that say one day, all that leads to is a town called nowhere. Unless you specifically say, I want to own this, I want to do this by a certain time, date, and how I'm going to get there. So it was, it was until we finally, I, had, I committed. Doing it, I love it. So, what it sounds like is that you know, your transition like the commission wasn't the issue, it was the commission of selling something that wasn't authentic to you, be it the approach or the idea. Because, I mean, if you're opening up a franchise, it, it is all sales. You know what I mean? And, you know, it sounds like the integrity was just off. It, it was more integrity, 100% integrity, because a lot of times you sell based on what pays you the highest commission, not based on how it can actually help somebody. That, that's why a lot of financial advisors sell people annuities or like these whole term life policies and life insurance and all that because residual income. And all that. And at, at, at the end of the day, yeah, you take this vow of know your customer and help your customer on. But it sure seems like the, the only ones you're, you're really helping out is your company that you work for, whichever brokerage firm, and then you. What I love about what you said, and this is something that I didn't know because, you know, we've had multiple conversations, you know, like Smoothie King, whatever you know about it now, like doesn't matter like your incentive for wanting to open up a smoothie king location was the fact that it helped to help you feel better about yourself so for you it was the story and the impact that it made on you that you basically wanted to transfer over to others always i've always felt like the need of being in service like if if i had if somebody's like here here's two three million dollars open up mcdonald's or a couple of mcdonald's i would never do that because i know it's a product that ultimately it, it hurts people it, there's no there's no there's nobody that will tell you oh yeah eating mcdonald's is nutritious i don't care what on feels so good well the bottled water i guess is is healthy <laughs> yeah yeah but man even that smells like grease um but but that's a that that's a side story, you know. Um, I want to pick your brain a little bit about you know like your experience with sales because a lot of people in our community, especially you guys listening to this, um, you know, um, are affiliated with MLM. And like one of the first thing that you hear any person who has an amazing opportunity is, "But I suck at sales." From your own experience in life about sales, like. Does anybody really suck at sales or is it the limiting belief that they suck at sales? You, you, just, you just sold yourself. If you can't sell yourself the product, you're not going to sell anybody. You can have the cure for cancer. But if you say, I suck right there, or I'm terrible, or I'm horrible, if you can't sell yourself, you don't have enough faith, you don't believe in yourself, you're definitely not going to believe in whatever product you're selling. 
and you, you can't sell it. You, you have to have the ultimate belief in the product that not only does it serve, but it serves you and that you need to give this, you need to be evangelical about this product, whatever it is. And, you, you know, I, MLM and all that, the first thing that you'll hear is, and it's all white noise. There, it's always opportunity. Oh, is that, that must be a pyramid scheme and all that. And, and that, that's just some, some crap. So you got to, that person just sold you. Because if you shut it down right there, there's always a transaction. There's always a sale. Either you're going to sell them on your product, or they're going to sell you why they don't need that product, why they don't want that product, and why they'll never buy from you. And even if they do say no, the average person, it, it takes four, five, six, seven. It's all about the follow-up. But I'm sure you know that from Cardone you. Mm-hmm. 80% of sales happen between the fifth and twelfth contact. And 2% exactly. of all buyers are ready to buy on the first contact. Yeah. Now you all know the statistics. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch <laughs> of you guys are actually, um, who are live on this are on Cardone. You, if you're on Cardone, can you drop it in the comments? Um, so but it's just no right are you now. on Cardone you too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah all, but but it, it, rejection is not a rejection on you or your product. There's multiple factors that, that you have to revisit. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they don't have the money right this second. It's just like going out on a date. Maybe, maybe they're seeing someone. Well, they're, they're not married, so maybe you can revisit that. But there's, the rejection is never, no, I hate Aaron. No, I hate Sarit. I hate Omar. I hate the product. There's other factors. Just the, the, the simple fact that once a person realizes that fear of rejection is just some crap that, that you make up. It's just a no. There's no, nobody finds out. You're not going to get hurt. They're not going to give you electroshock therapy each time somebody says no. It's just, it's just a word. One syllable word, no. And that's when you say next. No, next. And I'll come back to you. I'll, I'll bother you some more in a little while. I'm curious to know how has your own weight loss journey impacted your ability to, you know, like sell others, be it in your franchising businesses that you used to own or, or anything? Well, I, I would go up and down and wait. And when I was heavy, I'd lack motivation, lack discipline, lack energy. I looked in the mirror and I hated myself. How can I sell anything if I, I don't like what I'm seeing in the mirror? I mean, being healthy isn't and taking time out to work out isn't being selfish. It's, it's paying it for your family. And so you can live longer. So you can see your family, your cousins, your, your nieces, your kids, your grandkids. It, it's all our duties to try to live as long and healthy and, and as prosperous as we can. Mm, speaking our lang- language. Well, that's why you know. That's why we're like-minded souls. We're, we're we love to work out, and but you have to. I, I you know how some people say you can't like the process, or it's not about the process. It is. You have to, but you have to have the destination. But you have to enjoy the the process, and and, and it's all here in the mindset. If you're like, oh my god, I hate, I hate doing this, I hate doing that. You're you're already going to quit after a couple of days, no matter what. There, there's always going to be pain. But, but the pain of muscle, of, of your muscles growing or fatigue or lactic acid isn't as painful as having a quadruple bypass 
isn't as painful as having to be on one of those scooters, isn't as painful as having to say goodbye to everybody because you're too lazy, too unmotivated. There was better things to do like um, watch Netflix eight hours a day. Amen. Hey, we in in this community, we all agree with you 100%. Um, So thank you for sharing that from your own life experience, because it's really hard to find, um, you know, um, a lot of people who think that that way, especially in the business world. Um, I find that especially in within the 10x community, we're we're all 10x coaches. And um, yeah, it's like, but you get it. You just get it. So this is beautiful. Now let's transition into your new venture. So you decided to sell your franchises because you're now passionate about something new. Like, you know, your passion has evolved and magnified. Can you tell us about, you know, what led to that choice and what is your current mission? My current mission, I will start from there. My current mission is just to help people. To, so they don't live a life of regret. I mean, right now we all live in the dash of our life. I know I was born July 24th, 1973. I don't know if today's my last day. I don't know if tomorrow, I don't know if I'll be alive 50 years from now, but I, I'm writing my own legacy, my own obituary. And, you know, I choose, I want to help people. I want to help people live a, a life with, without any regrets. And I want to help people coach them out of that fear, out of, complacency out of just being mediocre because you know nowadays being mediocre is applauded in this world like my kid came in 12th out of 13th place congratulations it's like well why are you celebrating and it's just it's just like before when we were years ago being average meant like it was something horrible like it was you had to want to strive for more Nowadays, it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to stray. I want to just be average. Average means you're just getting by. Average means you, you look at your bank account and you're like, oh shit, I don't know what bill I, I have to pay now. Maybe I, maybe I can swing that credit card bill next month. Maybe I'll avoid all the creditors and all that. So, you know, we, we all have this belief but, in other things, but people don't even believe in themselves. Think about that. We, most people believed in the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus for seven years, but they can't even believe in themselves for seven minutes. <laughs> yes, that was so good. You know, like the participation trophy is something you brought up, and it's like, man, when I was a kid, we played soccer. It's like the winning team like got the trophy. Like, oh, you know, com- not not every team because you didn't win, <laughs> but. You know, in, in today's world and society, like I really truly feel like people have been conditioned to become very sensitive. And okay. so, you know, it's like, okay, because we don't want to hurt people's feelings, we're going to give everybody a trophy. And then what that teaches is I don't have to do anything to earn something. Mm-hmm. And then we we live our lives thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get something without having to work for it and make a million dollars in you know, 90 days and like, I don't have to work to get something. And then we just are like served a platter of disappointment because of those lies. And so, you know, I think that mediocrity too, is not even just like, it's not a mean thing. It's, It's a feeling that we have inside too, knowing that I have a greater potential and I'm not even using it. And I think subconsciously we understand when we are in that position And so we're the ones that are just feeling unhappy um, 
because we have bought into, we've been sold mm-hmm. that things can come easily. Well, we can, we're, we're being taught not, not to keep score. Results matter. You try to go to your bank and say, yeah, I'm not going to pay my car notes because I'm, I'm having great thoughts. I'm a great person. I'm a good, I'm a decent person. We feel, I mean, not to be political, but the last two elections, each party won and there was protests. Why? Because people, these, this new generation's not, hasn't been introduced that there is a winner and there's a loser. Wow. Sorry. So Hillary Clinton lost. I mean, I voted for her. So yes. And then in the opposite way, and Aaron, oh, those guys are all snowflakes and this and that. Well, they lost and the same thing happened. And it was, and that's the one thing that ra- raising my daughters, they've been both doing CrossFit competitions at, at an early age. And it was, I remember my oldest missed podium by like two points. And this was like at eight years old. And ever since they've been doing CrossFit or 5Ks, 10Ks, travel soccer, and they do know results matter. At the end of the day, and anything, I, I can't recall, yeah, I almost went out with that girl. Well, the, the surgery was almost successful. No, <laughs> there's no gray area. But, but now we're trying to train people, oh, don't keep score, don't do this. We're all amazing. Yes, we all had the ability of becoming amazing and doing amazing things. But just to say that you're amazing with zero backing and zero effort, that's just crazy. Hey, who in here played sports or a sport or watched sports? Oh, it's everybody. So when you, like, when there's two, com- like, the, the, uh, the, comp- uh, the, the, <laughs> there's the, Opposing teams. There's two teams, right? Or two individuals or whatever. And who wins? The best one. The person with the scores, the most points. Correct. Right. Right? And you get it like you put a W on the thing or you put an L on the thing. And so it's just like life is a game. But like what game are you playing? What are the rules? How do you score points? You know, and how do you how do you improve yourself so that you can score more points? Exactly. Powerful, powerful. Um, okay, so let's transition about, you know, with your new mission. Also, you just wrote a new book, What If It Did Work? So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about, for one, like what inspired you to write it? What inspired me was I, was, I still had that mindset because I remember for years people telling me, write a book, write a book, write a book. And to me, it was always like, oh, who's going to buy my book? If I write a book, who am I? I, I felt like I was the McFlys in, um, in Back to the Future, George and Marty McFly. What if it's not good enough? Who am I? Nobody's going to read it. All these limiting talks. If, if I wrote a book, I would only sell three copies, one to my mom and two, two to my two daughters. And it, it was on and on until I realized, I mean, I, I was having sleepless nights for a few years. And it was because, and this is my belief that people that have insomnia have insomnia because the spirit or there's something inside them that's saying, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. This isn't, you're wasting away your talent. You're wasting away your gift. And that's, that's what I felt. And that's, that's when I finally sucked it up and said, who cares who's going to read it? As long as, you know, if, if it, saves one person, if it helps two people, three people, four people, then it was well worth it. 
of that. It's all about positive change. Shouldn't we all be trying to move the needle? Yeah. And it's literally a book about what you're struggling with, that that book would help you to not struggle with that. Okay. So what if I wrote it and what if it did work? What oh, exactly. Did exactly. And it was, it, it was more, if anything, it was therapeutic because it helped me finally clean up all the things. Cause even though we've all been wearing a, a BS mask for a year, we all tend to wear a mask that we're okay, or we're this, or we're successful, or we're better than this and all that. And I, it, it took me until very recently to realize that I, I was still, not that there's anything wrong with being broken, but I had my flaws that I, I needed to work on, that, that I, I just pretended weren't there. Can you give us like a, a, like a quick 101 or on what, what is this book all about and what can the reader expect from it? To get you off your ass, to dream, to quit being on the sideline, to used to dream as a little kid. Why, what stopped you now? It's never too late. You can do everything and anything you want, but you know, there's no secret. We can't, I can't get a, a cardboard, a, a vanilla, whatever, from Walgreens and post a picture of a mansion and a Lamborghini and money and say that, that that's going to happen. That's going to happen. That's bullshit. You have clarity. Maybe that's what you want. So this, the real secret is what's the plan? Let's, let's put a sensible plan. Let's put a timeline. Let's say I'm going to have this within five years, come up with a plan, write it down and go for it every day. And then revisit it every day. What works, what doesn't? Because if it's not working and you're doing it over and over and over again, then that's, that is the definition of insanity. Sometimes everything's going to, you're going to have to pivot. Every successful story, there comes a time that you think you can't and you just have to push through it. The thing is, everybody thinks success is a microwave. They want the microwave to success, that they can just push it within 30 seconds, a minute, they'll be successful. I can just have washboard abs within two weeks if I do this. I can live in a high rise in three weeks, in a month. No, everything worth living, everything that you want requires time, hard work, dedication, commitment. And you know what? there's going to be times that you're like, this shit's not going to work. And you're going to have to push right past that crap. Because everybody thinks I want it now. And it goes straight up success. It's like weight loss. That's like the person that gets on the scale. Oh, my God, I gained two pounds. Well, hey, you know what, let's let's write down, let's look what we ate, we, we can't be eating mar, can't be drinking margaritas and processed foods all weekend, because it's a long weekend and go, Oh, my God. I gained five pounds. Okay, well, let's, let's see what we can do. And, and what happens is a lot of times people quit because they don't understand that success goes up and down. And finally, eventually you'll get there, but you just have to keep on pushing. And you know what? There's no affirmations. There's no confirmations from other people. What you have to do, you have to want it from within and not say, well, I want mommy, I want my girlfriend, I want my wife, my husband to, to support me. Because at times, your family and friends are going to be the people that least support you if you're trying to lose weight. Hey, you want another pizza? Do you want to go to, do you want to, go to McDonald's? Do you want cake? Do you want this? Do you want that? And it's not because they hate you. It's just because 
they're if, if they knew how to be extremely successful or if they knew how to lose weight and all that you probably wouldn't be fat you probably wouldn't be broke yourself so why why do you quit asking the wrong people for advice so good so good you guys i'm going to drop the link um for omar's new book yeah this is my right hand i you do not want me to use my right hand i'm a proud lefty um i'm a lefty too so yeah buddy anybody else in the room who's a lefty drop a comment i want to see you guys 10 percent of the people in the world are lefties um you better do something great with that left hand they say we're gifted but but I'm being biased if I say that's a true statement. So that's why I said they say I don't want to sound too confident and say it's a it's a fact. I think I you know I think you're just um, you're aware of you know your abilities based on whatever it is that you've accomplished or failed up and away from. But the thing is, we all do. Life is so easy. We just make it complicated. It's like losing weight. I mean, oh, I'm waiting for this new diet or I'm waiting for the new book to come out in Barnes and Noble or, or the, the chili pepper diet and this and that. We all know how to lose weight. We all just pretend we don't know. It's like, oh, I don't know how to stay in a relationship or how not to be a cheater or no, you, you, we all do. We all have the common sense. We all have the tools. We all just, it's just all easier to say, oh, I'm waiting for the answers. We all have the answers. It's all within us. Mm, I love it. Yeah, it's all about putting a new set of lens and just taking action. I love it. And I'm, I'm right with you there 100%. So, hey, where can the audience learn more about you, what you're up to, and maybe even connect with you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Omar Madrano 73 uh, Facebook, Omar Madrano. Um my website you can there's free blogs and stuff omarmadrano.com uh everything's public i'm always available i'm also the the saint jude of of personal help if somebody actually needs help and there's no no one to turn to i i've never turned anybody down just to just to shoot the shit or whatnot. But if you, if you want to call just to tell me that your circumstances are different, no, they're not. We, we've all had the same circumstances. Mm. It's all about let's quit playing victim. Yeah, Man, we love you. I think you already know that. I, I love you guys. I mean, you're, you're one of the, you guys are killing it. I mean, I, I love watching the videos and all that. I love, I, I wanted to just send you guys a, a DM and go, Hey, Invite me, please, so we can do a CrossFit workout at in your garage. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's hey, do it. I'm just down the street, so and and, and you know I, I I lift the weights, so not a problem. We'll set something up. Hey, Omar, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys, there you have it. Omar Medrano um, just came out with this new book. What if it did work? You guys, what if you got it? Uh, what can it do for you? Um, but you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for investing your time with us this afternoon. Um, Omar, thank you so much for investing your time with us. You guys are all awesome. Let's all go up together. Wishing you an amazing Friday and a very happy Memorial Day weekend. So Omar, this is how we end our calls with a big heart. Well, I appreciate 
I love you. And thank you all for spending the time. It, it means a lot to me. Thank you, guys. Let, let, let's make positive change out there. Let's do it. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Espresso with Erin and Suri. On your way out, be sure to check out our website, erinandsuri.com, to keep up to date with what we have going on and maybe grab some free stuff. And if you feel so inclined, hop on over to leave us a five-star review. Wink, wink. And remember, life is more fun when you subscribe to Erin and Sarit.